Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. What? Hello. Inhale. That was huge, dude. Thank you. I wanted to do something different than what I normally do. God, I mix and it I, up. That so felt, you acted like you're jumping into a swimming pool. Yeah, that felt different enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are you drinking today, tonight, this evening, at this time? Well, during this very hour, second, minute, uh, I almost said hour again. Uh, at this present time, I'm drinking a LaCroix Pamplemousse mixed with a orange mango juice. It's like halfy, halfy, and a little bit of lemon juice, and it's pretty good. It's not quite like mocktail status. Like, it doesn't feel like, like, oh, this is really curated, but it's it's like, it definitely goes well together. It feels like I just like slopped something together. Honestly, slopped. <laughs> it kind of feels like I pulled a Ross. Like, this is absolutely something my dad would do. Just like find some random juice in the fridge and like dump some random sparkling water into it. Wow. I guess I am my father's child. Amen. Wow. Anyway, with Steven, <laughs> some, uh, what are you drinking? Big, Over to you. Big, big revelations going on here. I love it. <laughs> I am thinking about Scotland very nostalgically tonight, but I wanted something warm to do this episode. So Josh, forever ago, you sent me a tea called an ode to whiskey. Oh, yeah. This wonderful black Assam tea with some wonderful spices and stuff. So I I made myself a hot mug of an ode to whiskey tea. And honestly, yeah, it's uh, making me nostalgic. I drank so much tea in Scotland. I understand why Emily is such a Tetley stan now. (laughs) And obviously, I drank a lot of whiskey. So this is combining these worlds quite nicely does it taste like whiskey at all uh it has it has hints of it and the hints that you would want from it mm-hmm. if that makes sense excellent yeah yeah thank you what a gift yes what a gift i'm enjoying a stiping hot mug of pumpkin hot chocolate stiping <laughs> stiping yeah combination of steaming and piping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. excellent josh is feeling it yep wow um, and it's just the perfect Fall beverage, in my opinion. Maybe not the perfect, but yeah. it's close. It's close. Heck yeah, dude. So it is my topic. And I was driving down the hill to get to church today. And I had my kid in the car because I picked her up from school. And we were on our way to my revelation class that I teach. And I turned on the radio and it was one of my favorite songs. And I'm going to sing part of it for you. And then you can guess what. Our topic is. Are you ready? <clears throat> I'm so ready. Okay. Time. Why you punish me? 
So from that hint, what do you think we're talking about? Time. We're talking about time. Time. Oh, time. We are talking about time. The concept of time, the reality of time, time in the Bible, like is mind boggling to me. That was a real curveball mentioning that you were headed to your Revelation class. I thought we were going to talk about the book of Revelation for a sec, but... No, that's later. That's later. (laughs) Because we're not done with that book yet. We're only on chapter 19 of Revelation, so... Oh, and there's famously three more, so... There is, yes. My my three favorites, Um, but... Famously. We're going to talk about time. Um, Is it relevant? On this day, hour, minute... Minute, second, nanosecond. Yeah. Yeah. Present time. Is time fleeting? Does it go by too quickly? Not fast enough? We have so many ways of talking about time. And then for some reason, when we approach the Bible, time is its own thing. And people are so gung-ho to hold time the way that we hold time in modern ways. Mm. And so I want to talk about time. I want to talk about why is it important and why do we hold time in one way and then in other contexts we hold it in another way Mm. i'm curious is there like anything that's been happening recently that like makes you think about time and like think about it theologically or not theologically oh yeah so i'm also doing a bible study where we're going from cover to cover and it's great because it's allowing the participants to actually read every word of the Bible and they're understanding things in a different way rather than just relying on what they've learned as children or young adults. And one of the things that has repeatedly come up in class is the idea of time because of how old characters of the Bible are portrayed to be. You know, we had Noah who lived 950 years and we have Methuselah who lived 996 years and, you know, all these other grand long-term concepts of time and Mm. then we have god created everything in the universe in six days and rested on the seventh like Mm. i think that concept of time is just not fully understood or we just have a hard time grasping the idea of time and that's just a question that repeatedly some of my participants have been asking is how does time work in the bible Mm. and i don't know Because we do see post-flood that many characters of the Bible do not live as long as those who lived pre-flood. Yeah. But what does it mean when it says a year or 40 days or, you know, just some of these time sequences that we see in the Bible? Is it literal? Is it metaphorical? What does it mean? What is time? Do we just throw it out the window and we don't care Is time irrelevant? What do we think? Okay. I was listening to a podcast today, yesterday. I don't know what is time. Uh, Time? But I was. Was it the Radiolab one? uh, I might have. I don't know. That's not the podcast I was thinking of. (laughs) But uh, maybe I have, or maybe I will in the future, and you don't know. I got a plug coming then. (laughs) Oh, great. Excellent. Okay. Well, mine first. So I was listening to this episode of the Handsome Podcast. It's by these uh, three comedians who are queer and hilarious and it is just a wonderful chat show so if you need like a fun easy listen highly recommend but they brought up this question of uh like what superpower would you have and then they were talking about time and teleportation and somebody brought up that they would like to be able to freeze time with the caveat 
that they would not age when they froze time. Huh. And their their like idea, their like motivation behind that was like, I just find that I need more time to do things. And I would rather spend time with people, but like sometimes I just need things to be done and fixed or like whatever. And they're like, I need more time for that. And I feel like I'm running out of it. Like if I just had a couple more hours a day. And I thought that that was actually very thought provoking because I think that there is, I mean, obviously I'm only almost 30. So older listeners, please forgive me. But I, I, I do get the sense of like how much like the perception of time changes for us over time in that like a year to us when we're 10 feels like so much versus a year to us when we're 80 feels like so mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. and time can just like slip through our fingers. So that that's kind of like my like first starting point in like even thinking about your question, Emily, is that I think it's, it is very interesting, like on a personal level, how we experience time and like how we notice a change and maybe want it to change. I think yeah. that's very interesting. Even like just that question of, do I have enough time? How much time do I have left? Yeah. Cause we're all under the impression, the impression that we could die at any moment. Like time for us could cease to exist when we perish. And so we're always wondering, do I have enough time? And, you know, can I accomplish the things I still want to accomplish? And I remember like as a kid, I was never keeping track of the clock. It was just, you know, come home when the sun goes down. Like when you see the street lights turn on, you come home and like time seemed to Mm. go on forever because you're having so much fun. And nowadays it's I'm constantly looking at my church planning scheduling book my phone my emails everything that has a time stamp and it does it kind of gives you this anxiety and this urgency of am i going to get things done in the amount of time that i've left and the expression we all have the same 24 hours valid however well (laughs) how some people spend 24 hours is very different than how i spend 24 hours and what may seem like only 24 hours for me It feels like I live a week in a day because I have a kid, I have a full-time job, Mm -hmm. I'm happily married, and I love to do things with my my husband, and I love to do things with my church and with my children and my friends and my family, and you can pack so much in a day that it doesn't feel like just 24 hours. And so how we even understand time and what it feels like is different for every person. Steven, I feel like we have to hear about your podcast plug uh my brain is going if it fits so many places what an insane <laughs> to, I, i've written down like five different bullet points of things i want to talk about in this episode and i'm i'm not sure pun intended we're gonna have time for it all <laughs> this is such a wild emily i love that you've brought us here i love it you're welcome so josh uh yes this is where i get to plug a recent radio lab episode mm. uh that it's it's crazy that we're talking about this because I literally just listened to this like two days ago. Uh, the episode is very recent called The Secret to a Long Life. And one of the producers was trying to figure out why exactly we have this experience of like, as we get older, mm. time seems to slip away faster than we were kids. Like summer when you were seven years old, it was an eternity. And then this past summer that has just like passed us by as almost 30 year olds a blink away right and this radio lab episode kind of tackles you know there's there's one theory of basically like well yeah that summer when you're seven years old that represents like three months and three months to a seven-year-old is like proportionally a larger chunk of time than 
three months to a 30 year old, right? But a lot of people kind of don't think that's quite the case. And that has to do with some Hmm. fancy brain science that I'm just going to kind of hand wave away because I don't know how to cite the papers they're leaning on or any of the research. But essentially, it comes down to the idea of novel experience. And that as Hmm. adults, when we get into routine, routine is basically time killers. Hmm. Routine, the things we do over and over again. Our brain has a way of taking that and being like, oh, we're on autopilot, so we're going to do the commute, we're going to do the dishes, we're going to do the dog walk, but you're not going to really be present for the dog walk because like, it's a routine that the brain has figured out a way to optimize, like, we got to spend our calories somewhere else. So if we can like chunk this series of synapses down, we don't have to spend as much energy on it, and your experience of time is faster because your brain is like working on something else or doing other things. Mm. So this radio lab episode was absolutely brilliant. This producer tried to spend a week, an entire week doing things she had never done before. So no day was the same. She didn't sleep in the same bed every night. Like she slept in seven different places that she had never slept before, including just like she asked a stranger like, can I sleep over tonight? <laughs> and oh my God. part of her experience was, yeah, the days did seem very full and my experience of time was different, but also I was exhausted by the end of it. Mm. And I, I think I can anecdotally say that that was the case for me in Scotland. Like that's, that's the kind of vacation where I'm going a different place every couple nights experiencing new things, constantly making a plan for like, so tomorrow we're going to do this hike and then be here for lunch. And it's like Dixie and I never ate at the same restaurant twice. We never drove the same road twice. We never rode the same ferries twice. Like, I think that's so real. I think there's something to that novel experience of time that matters. Okay. You made me think about, and this might be a fun segue into uh maybe how our theologies of time have changed or mm-hmm. not. Um, Cause I think I'd love to hear about that from you guys, but it, your example, Stephen, makes me immediately think of when I was very regularly doing quiet times, mostly every day. Mm-hmm. And I would like experience this phenomenon of like, whenever I didn't do it, whenever I didn't condition my behavior to, <laughs> to just you know put on my psych helmet for a second whenever i didn't condition my behavior to like purposely discipline myself for an hour a day i would feel like i did not have time to do it i'd be like i have no time in the day i barely have time to survive how the hell am i going to fit in an hour with god when i want to well when i like I'm, when i actually want to do that like how could i actually do that and then what i would find is when i did do it I would all of a sudden feel like I had all the time in the world. And in the moment, I would like take that as like like a divine blessing. Like, oh God, like because I spent an hour with you, you made me have four more. Mm. When like in reality, I was probably just becoming more disciplined Better as an individual. Is one day in your courts <laughs> than thousands elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But That's like, literally I, the lyric. <laughs> I, yeah, I genuinely thought that I was like being given more time because I was spending an hour with God most days of the week. Yeah. And like, I don't think that that is a, I now don't think of that spiritually, but I don't think that that is a like 
false phenomenon? No, I get the same thing when I journal intentionally. Sure. But like your I think your point is really interesting about like and I'm going to go listen to that, that episode now, but like the idea of like novel experiences and like kind of that like anecdotal feeling of being on autopilot and that like in some ways sometimes being on autopilot feels like a time saver and sometimes being on autopilot feels like a time destroyer. Like it just feels like my weeks are the same. Well, like yeah, I don't have time for anything. Uh, we were just talking about this before we flip the mics on is like, you're taking a break from social media because you have other priorities in your life and you're finding yourself like mm-hmm. going on autopilot on TikTok or Instagram reels and you need to reclaim that time. Yeah. hundred so percent. The yeah. apps and like you create the space for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be, I would say you're planning for a wedding. Yes. Optimally, you will never plan for a wedding again. So you're doing something <laughs> novel that's yes, going to take a ideally. lot of brain calories. <laughs> yes. So, no shame out there to you who have planned more than one wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, for one reason or another. Uh, but then, okay, so that's one of my thoughts. Sorry I took so long to explain that. But like my other half of that is that's like... okay, Josh. We have time. <laughs> we do. You're right. We can just keep recording <laughs> episodes. nothing but time. It has been a while since we've had to split up an episode i think since episode like 18 19 when we did episodes on money because we just yeah. kept talking that was oh, pretty sure. crazy we should do one of those again we didn't budget our time very well for the money we episode. really did not we're actually pretty good at it full of these we puns very good now yeah yes we so learned. yeah buy our course on how to budget your time <laughs> anyway you made me think of how in the last four years since i have not been attending church how as much as I really have loved kind of the idea of reclaiming my Sundays and like having a actual rest weekend or even just a whole day, like an actual whole day for rest, I have absolutely cognitively and socially missed that like ritual of having something that is the same to do every week. Hmm. And honestly, this podcast comes the closest for me right now like besides work like i don't think that counts Mm -hmm. that like practice and ritual like i think i feel like to me that's an example of like going through the motions can like actually enrich your life when it's done purposefully i guess because we're here but we're present we're paying attention we're engaged Mm because yeah there's a difference between ritual that's mundane yeah and ritual that's intentional right well, yeah, and yeah. and at the same time, it's crazy that you can like the day to, or the week to week experience of like, oh, yeah, the Monday night that we record, like I feel present. The night seems to stretch on. I'm engaged and all those kind of things. And at the same time, we're having a moment of like, yo, it's crazy that we've made one hundred and sixty of these. And what's even mm. more crazy is each week it's different. Mm. Yeah, we get together and we record, but we never record the same exact thing every time. So yeah. even that yeah. sense of routine is altered. You know, I think of we have a church group, two of them now, actually almost three that we go and participate at trivia night at the brewery here in Cody. And mm. it's gotten to be so popular and I love it. It's a routine that I look forward to, but it's different each week. You never know what the questions are about. You never know who's going to be attending from the church. It's a great time. And that's a ritual that's not only intentional and meaningful, but it is slightly different each time. So even in the routine, in the things that are expected, there are those moments of being unexpected. It's mm. it's crazy to think that. And even 
just in everyday life. I think about with my kid. Sure, we have our routine of eating breakfast, getting her dressed, taking her to school. It is not easy every morning. <laughs> there are some mornings it's very challenging and other mornings it's a piece of cake and what she wants to eat is different every day. How we pick her up? Are her shoes on the other foot? Like, how's her hair? Did she get color all over her shirt today? It's even in routine and in things that are practiced daily, there are moments where you see they are not exactly the same. And for me to start answering your question, Josh, about like the theology of time, I've been realizing as I've gotten older, the sacredness of time and appreciating it on a spiritual level to see that every moment in life is truly different. You can never relive a moment in the exact way that you did at that time. You may have moments of like deja vu. You may have moments that give you that same feeling. But actually recreating that moment could never be done. And that is what makes it so pure, so holistic, so meaningful. And I think time is truly a gift from the divine. And we can either waste it and not appreciate it or we can use it. And however we use it is how we choose to do that. But seeing time as something more than just something to fill or something we don't have enough of, we could see it as a way to truly live into life and accomplish the things that are greater than ourselves. And that's a gift. Mm. One, one of my kind of like lingering meditations from my vacation was the sense of like how endings are somehow always present with us. Like Again, like the style of the vacation was like, okay, we're going to be in Edinburgh for a few days and then we're going to be in Inverness for two days and then we're going to go to the Isle of Skye. And like there were all these micro moments of, oh, we're eventually going to leave here and like leading up to the big like, oh, we have to go home and like leave the UK. But even the, I don't know, like even the way you can talk about that is like those endings are always with us somehow. And in that way, mm -hmm. time kind of breaks down and we get really like timey wimey with it. Because it does, it starts feeling like something malleable in a way, like the way our memory works, even the way our like future projection works. Like I'm, I, I'm talking about my vacation a lot, but like I've dwelt on how my high expectations for what that vacation would be and how I would feel during it and what I would experience it was like I was I was enjoying the vacation months in advance because of all the anticipation of like imagining what it would be like or like making the plan for the dinner that we were going to have like anything like that. It was like projecting into the future already deriving enjoyment from that. And then when I showed up somehow I had set my sights lower than I should have like reality met and exceeded my expectations of that. And then it was just like, a, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm actually presently living this. And it's what I thought it would be and more. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. 
And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. I've definitely been thinking more about how to stop time recently, if it wasn't obvious from that example I brought up from that podcast. And just like, not even like thinking about it that deeply, but just like thinking about those small moments, like kind of like you mentioned, Emily, that like make me like notice the novelness of life in front of me instead of like allowing myself to treat each day like it's the same. Like tonight, I made for the first time. Let me tell you about one of the ways I stopped time today to remember it. I made for the first time a sardine pasta. I used like Ooh. tinned sardines and I used some pre-assembled frozen pasta from Trader Joe's and it was splendid and I will absolutely do it again. Hmm. I think for me, like experiencing like fun food and beverage, and we've talked about this a lot in the Discord, but I definitely relate to like the novel experience of food. I think it's oh yeah, so wonderful. <laughs> well, I mean, like in some ways, the last supper in the upper room never ended. Think about that. What do you mean by that? I mean, really, it was also the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So Emily's on the wavelength. What I mean by that is like every time that we like ritually remember it and reenact it, it's like it never stopped. Like we're participating in that moment that feels so concrete and yet somehow it's bleeding into millennia's future careful steven you're starting to sound a little christian again <laughs> i'm just kidding you can sound as christian as you want um <laughs> there could I there, would, there might be a future that i'm christian <laughs> there might be you never know there is a multiverse in which steven is still a christian and is again in the future and Wait. there may be a multiverse that steven was never a christian yeah so I would do we wait, hold on. Do you guys only think of multiverse in terms of space or also time? Uh, Why does it have to be an and or? Yeah, sure. Both. I, space I time. think of the multiverse as the superheroes conceptualize it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, right. You mean okay, the Marvel gosh. propaganda? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I would be very curious to hear how, if at all, your theology of time or like your sense of time for the Bible has changed. Like Emily, you brought up that example earlier and I feel like we just can't do this episode justice without talking about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I feel like I have a really good example, but I don't want to like steal the show. No, take it away, man. No. Seconded. Go for it. Yeah. You. Okay, fine. There's yeah. time in this episode for all of us. So you've been outvoted. I, I don't think I've talked about it much on the show because it's not something that I have like questioned anytime recently. And it has certainly not been a pressing question for me in the last couple of years, but it, I think it is a great example of how my theology of time has changed. And like my relation to like time and the Bible, I was raised to believe in young earth creationism, like the seven 
Mm-hmm. Literal days, consecutive mm-hmm. days. I think there's maybe an argument to be made that it wasn't emphasized as much as it was emphasized to not believe in evolution. And I think that, I guess what I mean by that is like, it, it wasn't just that I only learned young earth creationism. It was like more, more broadly like, this is an important piece of theology and therefore anti-evolution. And it's like, that wasn't the only focus of like my Christian upbringing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But it was, it was certainly a portion of it. And it's so time related to me that I've, I've always thought it's so interesting that the debate between young earth creationism and evolution is not just concerned with divine maker, but it's concerned with time. And I think it's super fascinating. Like one of the things that like first changed my mind about it was, I guess, yeah, I guess I think it did change my mind in the moment was listening to William Lane Craig, the apologist who arguably is a considerable expert on the philosophy of God's relation to time, which I think is another interesting discussion. And he brought up in his class that there is at least six considered interpretations of Genesis on a theological level trying to interpret what is meant by the text exegetically. And just like knowing that there were other views and hearing an apologist say, oh yeah, it's okay to be a Christian and not be a young earth creationist. In my, my, my college brain was like, oh great, okay, cool. <laughs> Sold. Like, I, I grew, here's this thing that I was told you had to believe in to be a Christian. Mm. And here's this like like gentle unraveling of it before me, showing me that there are other strands that describe that passage and me like very literally just doing a quick swap out. And I know that there are other people out there that have Mm. had that journey. And I know that not everybody's been the same, but I feel like that was such a moment for me in realizing the depth of time of the Bible, like not just in the creation evolution debate, but also in the, Oh, there were like, not only has it been 2000 years since Jesus, but from Jesus to like the back of the old Testament could be thousands of years. We just like, don't see that as modern readers a lot, I think. And I, Mm. I think that it's hard to give people a good grasp of that. Like really quickly. (laughs) Mm. So that, that was a major one for me in terms of how my theology of time and my, the time of theology has changed. Mm-hmm. Stephen? Um, I think I've been thinking about a lot and I can, I can hear theological undertones to this whole idea that like what we do in the present, obviously like we recognize can impact our future, right? Like a career decision you make today might be setting you up for something four years from now, you know, either that you're not aware of or that you could reasonably predict. Like Dixie this year surprised me with a puppy and we added a new dog to the house. And one of the things I thought as we were kind of like setting up this new puppy's life was, Dixie, this is so incredibly thoughtful and so out of left field. And it, it feels crazy to me that not only have you completely changed the next decade or so of my life, but you have also just purchased me one of the most profound experiences of grief that I can bank on feeling in about 15 years. And like that effect that the present can have on the future is huge. But also I am, I think being so post-Christian now that I am non-Christian, 
and describe myself as atheist. I feel like now I can actually understand what people say when they say like the death and resurrection of Jesus in that theological paradigm has an impact on the past. Cause I, I felt like I always struggled with that of like, Oh, like all of the new Testament is just the story leading up to Jesus, which first of all, is just an incredibly reductive way to kind of write off the Hebrew Bible as the Hebrew Bible for folks who don't accept the new Testament as scripture like Jewish people. But like when Christians say like all of history was leading up to Jesus and now all of history in the common era looks back to Jesus as like the crux, right? I was always kind of confused by what they meant of like, oh yeah, like Jesus is able to like redeem the past or whatever. But I was listening to another episode, another podcast last week um, from This American Life. And one of the stories was how one of the, the storytellers, one of the producers, like in her 30s, was sat down by her parents that she was raised by and again, in her 30s, they were like, yeah, your dad adopted you. This is not your biological dad. I'm not your biological dad. And for the last three decades, you've thought that, and we didn't tell you otherwise, and you never asked, and we didn't tell. But I've been thinking about how with that one statement, the parents of that story completely rewrote 30 years of that person's past mm. by reframing every memory she has with her dad. Now with this revelation, I think the way we treat time is so linear and there are some theories as to why that is like, like our language structure lends itself to be linear because we read linearly left to right on a page or some languages, write Like right to left or down to bottom. But like, have you guys ever seen the the uh, the movie Arrival with Amy Adams? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And spoiler alert, huge spoiler alert for this film. If you haven't seen this film and you want to, maybe skip ahead like a minute or two. Um, the theory that that movie operates on is that the aliens that are visiting operate with a language that is inherently circular, and therefore their. Per- perception of time is not linear and i think i mean like i don't know i watched that movie and that did something to me when i first saw it i was like (laughs) holy crap like i think we take for granted that things like oh yeah i just learned how to speak english when i was in you know i i learned how to write my name in preschool linearly but if i had not been taught that way and taught a different way entire paradigms of my life would feel different or appear different to me. Like reality would present itself differently differently to me. And I think that is so wild. I this is very trippy. Emily, do you feel like your theology of time or the way that your perception of time affects your theology has changed at all? Definitely. So what I talked about earlier, the sacredness of time, I think definitely has changed since I was younger. Um and just experiencing more moments in life that I hadn't previously experienced, like going off to college. I didn't experience that at nine years old. You know, like you can only experience like certain things really at certain times in life. Like you can go to college at any time, but like 
as a seven-year-old, there was no way I was going to go to college and meet my husband and have a child. So some things as I've gotten older, I've experienced and I've seen the sacredness of those moments. But I think for me, one thing that's definitely changed is the concepts of Kronos versus Kairos. Um, and appreciating Kairos more than Kronos. Could you, for those of us who don't speak Greek, could you break those down real quick? Oh, sure. So Kronos would be linear or sequential time. Think of like the calendar or a clock. And then Kronos would be, it moves linearly, but it's like undetermined. It's there are no boundaries with with Kairos. It's, you know, think of seasons. Think of, you know. Jeremy Baramy. Things that can't be confined to a timeline or, you know, compacted into strict guidelines as far as how it's experienced. It's oftentimes just called God's time, right? And hmm. I have seen myself appreciating the seasons of life more than the linear sequential experience of time. So rather than being thankful for the hours in the day, I would, I'm more thankful for the seasons of my life that I have lived thus far and not just forcing it into a box. That is Hmm. the days that I've lived. That almost feels like you're playing D and D based on milestone level ups instead of experience points. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a nerdy way to say that. But that's there you uh, go. Yeah, it's like it's milestones. It's like anchor points. Well, and, you know, just thinking about last minute thoughts before I give a closing and before you guys share your thoughts, the concept of time really is like an individual experience. And so I want to put time into perspective for some of you. Okay. I had a woman in my church who passed away a couple weeks ago. Her name was Phyllis Lenick. She lived to be 100 years old. Wow. An amazing woman, soft-spoken, very generous, very loving. Here are the things that she has witnessed in her oh, man. 100 years of life. Just I'm putting so this into, ready for this. Putting I'm so this ready. into perspective. Talk about someone living through unprecedented times. When she was born, the year that she was born was the same year that the traffic light was invented. Jeez. <laughs> also the same year was when the self-winding watch was invented. When she was in her 30s, that's when the modern day hula hoop was created. <laughs> Putting that into perspective throughout her life, she got to see or hear about directly some of her relatives vote for the first time she got to witness countless moments in history and unfortunately witnessed excruciatingly horrible moments of history she's experienced countless numbers of loss countless numbers of growth and love and change that can't be fully quantified you know and like That's the thing that baffles me the most about time is you don't really know the ways that you impact someone else's time until it's too late. Phyllis knew that she was loved. Don't get me wrong. She knew that she was loved and cared for, but she never fully understood how many lives she touched because there's just no way of knowing. Absolutely no way of knowing. 
all the ways that you interact with people in little moments, in your hundred years of living on this earth, countless. And that's amazing to me. Like, I'm going to be 30 in June, and I always gag at that thought, like, oh, I'm getting older. And I think back to, like, how many people touched my life in those 30 years? And how many lives have I been able to be a part of in a positive way, more than a negative way? Because I know that Phyllis probably pissed a few people off in her life. I'm sure I've pissed a few people off in my life and probably will continue to do so. But I hope that when my life here is done, I have touched people in more life-giving ways and left the world a better place than when I entered it. And I hope that my time here is filled with nothing but love and compassion and justice for for humankind, for creation, and that I don't waste my time being selfish. Rather, I live my life being selfless. That was very thought-provoking. I am going to be thinking about this episode for some time. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Nice. Uh, the thing that you make me think of, too, in like the idea of having an impact is like, I just can't help but think about doing the pod. And like, I've thought so many times, like, am I going to listen back on this when I'm 75 and I'm in a retirement home Mm. and I want to remember what I used to think or like where I changed along the way. And like, I remember thinking when we first started this, that like, not only was there a good chance of us documenting in real time, somebody's faith change, which so far, one for three. Hit me. <laughs> yep. But also, like, on a personal level, like, thinking about what a unique way to document any faith journey at all. Like, I used to journal all the time, and I don't like journaling anymore, but, like, I recognize the incredible value of being able to look back and reference something, like, historical of yourself and, like, see where you were and how far you've come. And like, I feel like I can't even conceptualize it, which is crazy because I know that someday I will be able to like someday I will be able to think back 30 years and presently I cannot. (laughs) Mm. And then at some point I might not be able to think back 30 years anymore. And that's also pretty humbling. Mm. It's pretty wild, isn't it? Think of the other things that we have like etched into the digital stone with the podcast. Like there's an episode where Emily comes back and says, I have a daughter now. And that is like a moment in time, like (laughs) captured in audio resin for the Jurassic Park people of thousands of years from now to find and be like, whoa, Emily's child was born. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 pretty wild. I think um I think time can get me thinking about death a lot. I like I think I discovered while I was in Scotland that I think a really grounding and healthy and wholesome life-giving practice for me is to go take quiet walks in graveyards. I I think there's something about like strolling and observing the headstones, reading them. And, you know, a lot of them will capture like born this date dash 
passed away this date. And it's like, whoa, that, I mean, that, that dash covers so much and we'll have little epithets and things to say about them and how, how seemingly like we, we choose to on our gravestones define our lives by not only the time we spent documented on a calendar, but with the people we spent it with, like a lot of headstones are talking about what kind of spouse they were, father they were, mm-hmm. friend they were, community leader they were, you know? And that, of course, can get you into thoughts of like legacy and like, what are you leaving behind or anything like that? But I think that kind of like death meditation on a regular basis, that, yeah, that, that does something to me because it really, makes me consider like with what experience of Kronos time I have left, what will I do to impact something like the eternal Kairos time that keeps going? Well, is it time? Are we out of time? Is there more time? I do think Emily, I like that you brought this up because I think that we often forget that we are time beings, even though we celebrate birthdays and we think about death and we do things week to week and day to day and year to year. I think it's easy to forget consciously that we are time beings. Yeah. It's definitely not at the forefront of our brain. Yeah. Well, I guess we should end the episode at some point. There's always more time later. <laughs> uh, do, you have a, do you have a good closing uh, stop to the watch, as it were? I have a poem that I would like to share. Ooh. It's from the renowned Indian poet. Rabindranath Tagore. Time is endless in thy hands, my lord. There is none to count thy minutes. Days and nights pass, and ages bloom and fade like flowers. Thou knowest how to wait. Thy centuries flow, each other follow each other, perfecting a small wild flower. We have no time to lose, and having no time, we must scramble for a chance. We are too poor to be late. And thus it is that time goes by while I give to every quillarious man who claims it. And thine altar is empty of all offerings to the last. At the end of the day, I hasten in fear lest thy gate be shut. But I find that yet there is time. <laughs>